And welcome to Reim Ahuvim. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. So happy that you are joining me today on jrootradio.com. For those of you who are new listeners, here is what we do. We try to learn and to develop new skills and tools to renew and strengthen the connection, yes, the connection that you have with your spouse. We do this not only from a social science perspective, but we use the Torah as our guide and source of navigation. It's so all in the Torah, ladies and gentlemen. It's not normal. <laughs> like, literally not normal. And I, you know, I, I speak to, to other marriage counselors, therapists, I go to consortiums, etc. You hear so many classes and speeches and the science and, 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 and the, the, the psychodynamic of marriage. And the, I'm not, not going to lie to you. The truth of the matter is that you know, there's a lot of chachma out there as far as marriage. Marriage is a very complicated system. It's a very, very complicated system. It can really work both ways. But there's no question in my mind that your marriage must be grounded in Torah values. Otherwise... It, it's going to go haywire. It's going to go haywire. And what, you know what's funny? What's funny is that when, when I hear like lectures and speeches and read about you know, different modes of therapy and, and when I've gone for my master's, what's funny is like you sit there in class and you're listening to the professor or the dean, whoever's giving you the class, and you're thinking to yourself, Wow, Kadosh Baruch Hu, like this is this is this is all Torah, meaning not that they're necessarily necessarily postulating Torah, but the the core some of their major core stuff. I mean, it's been there forever. I mean, we know this. This is the Torah. The Torah has been t- telling us exactly. Obviously, there's 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 a lot of research and studies and empirical evidence that has been done. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. There's no question about it. Sometimes a couple needs therapy. Sometimes a couple needs counseling. Sometimes the situation is so toxic that they're trying to abide by the Torah's values, but there's a problem. Still, there's a problem. In that case, you need help. Obviously, you know it, 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 it's very complex. But it's all in the Torah. <laughs> it's still all in the Torah. Okay. Today, first of all, thank you for listening. And waiting for the song. Sometimes, yes, yeah, sometimes I come a little bit late. And the reason for that is because it's just a little bit hard to find parking here in Brooklyn. Okay, so today I, I want to go back to the source of it all. But, but, you know, there's a saying, keep your eyes on the goalpost. Keep your eyes on the goalpost. When I say keep your eyes on the goalpost, I'm talking about everything that you're doing, wherever you're listening to me right now. Wherever you're listening. I like, like saying this because I, I don't know where you are. I don't know where you're listening to me right now. You might be in a kitchen. You might be in a car. You might be wherever you are. But wherever you're listening, remember to keep the, your eyes on the goalpost. You know, the, the Ramchal, Moshe Chaim Lozado, who's, who's like, I mean, who, who hasn't heard of the Ramchal? Who hasn't heard of Ramchal? It's the most famous book, Mesilas Yasharm, right? I was taking a look at Mesilas Yasharm this morning. I was just, you know, after Davani, there was a Mesilas Yasharm that was just sort of like, right next to me, there was a Mesilas Yasharm. So I'm like, you know, let me open it up a second. And again, take a look at that first page of Mesilas Yasharm. And what does it say? Yesod hachasidus v'shoresh ho'avoda, right? Which stands for, right, the beginning of every one of those words is yud kevavke, yesod hachasidus v'shoresh ho'avoda. What's the yesod? What's the basis of everything? What's it all about? And then he writes to remember what's the purpose that we are here in Olam Hazet. Why are we here right now? Why are we still alive? Why are we still alive? Plenty of people are not alive anymore, right? Why are we still alive? Keep your eyes on the goalpost. And you know what's funny? It's funny is that you'd think to yourself that the next thing the Messias Yasharm is going to tell you, well, you have, to, you have to work very hard and do mitzvot and Torah. It doesn't say that right away. You know what he says? He says, the most important thing, what's, what's the purpose that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us? Is to give us the ultimate pleasure, which is what? Which is connecting to Kaddish Baruch Hu. Meaning, if Hashem is the ultimate good and the ultimate, ultimate source of good, everything good comes from Hashem, so what's the purpose of it all? The purpose of it all is to connect, devekis. What's devekis? To connect, for us to connect to Kaddish Baruch Hu. For us to connect to Hashem. So how do we connect to Hashem? Well, guess what? Hashem doesn't say, okay, here, connect to me. Hashem gives us the tools. Hashem gives us the skills. What is that? It's all the Torah. It's all the Torah. It's all the Torah. All the mitzvos, all the mitzvos of the Torah, 
is there. It's, it's, Hashem gave it to us in order to ultimately give us schar, and our ultimate, ultimate connection is where is an olam haba. You know, I want to tell you something. Yesterday, it's an interesting story. Yesterday, I, I walked into, into, those of you who know Brooklyn, there's, there's a base medrash in, uh, on 16th Avenue, Lakewood base medrash. It's the most amazing place. If you ever like want to like go into like a little mini in, in Borough Park, I mean there are other places also. If you want to go into like a mini, like a mini mikdash, you know what I'm saying? You want to be inspired, right? So what do you do? You go into the Lake of Base Medrash um, on 16th Avenue. I don't remember where it is, and you walk in there at any time of the day, and people are learning Torah. It's so nice to see. Now, I'm not talking, it's not a yeshiva. Okay, you go to any yeshiva. I'm not saying you go to Chaim Balint or Tamima. There's so many yeshivas. Bab of Satmar, this, this, you know, Ateret, right? Whichever denomination, right? Well, in our own, our, own, our, own, our, own, our own ways. But you know what? You walk into Lakewood-based Medrash. You know why I'm fascinated by it? Let me tell you why. Because it's not a yeshiva. not like Bachram. They're all sitting and learning. It's anybody who wants to come, sits and learns Torah during the day. So I went in there yesterday, and I, and I met someone, I met someone who I know, <laughs> dear friend of our families, and I had a feeling he was there. Whatever I got in, whatever, and I, I saw him. So he was very happy to see me. He was so happy to see me. And then he's, I'm like, I'm like, you know something, I'm like, I'm thinking like, where are you? But I figured you're gonna meet in the base Spanish, the type of person he just sits and learns all day. He's sitting and learning. And he was telling me a beautiful thing. He says to me, there's nothing better than being here in the base marriage. He says to me, there's nothing more geschmack. There's nothing more pleasurable, he says to me, than sitting here in the base marriage and learning. Now, I know a lot of you cannot relate to what I'm talking about right now. And some ladies who are listening to me are thinking, well, my husband should really be listening to this. But listen, the point of the matter is, he was able to relate, okay? And he says to me, I want to tell you a beautiful Maisa. He said to me, I think he said it to me, the name of Aaron Cutler that Rev. Aaron Cutler, I think, was speaking to a bunch of balabatim. He was speaking to a bunch of, uh, you know, people who are, you know, from people who they learn, but they work. You know, they work and they make money, and they were donating money. They were donating money for the yeshiva. So he was telling the people how much schar. He said to them, you guys, you have no idea how much reward you're going to get in the next world for supporting people sitting learning Torah. You have no idea how much reward you're going to get. This is Rav Aaron Cutler speaking to these Gevirim who were donating money. He said, you have no much reward. So after this shmooze he was giving, some of the Bachrim came over, some of the Talmudim, the students of Rav Aaron Cutler. By the way, Rav Aaron Cutler, for those who don't know, I know we have a large audience over here. Rav Aaron Cutler was uh, yeah, previous, 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 whatnot, uh, head dean of Beis Medrash Gavoa. In, in Lakewood, one of the founders, I could say, the, one of the founders of Torah here in the United States, okay? One of the founders of Torah here in the United States, this is, this is you know, in the early, uh, I don't know how, early 1900s, well, after the war, and um, he, he established Torah, he established Torah in Lakewood, in Lakewood as we know today, with all these thousands of people sitting and learning Torah. So what happens? So after he's speaking to these people who were donating money, one of his students comes over to him, and he says to him, Rebbe, can I ask you a question? What's the matter? He says, Rebbe, you're speaking to the Baal about him. And you're telling them that they're going to get so much schar, they're going to get so much reward in Olam Haba because they're supporting people for learning Torah. You know what? How about us? I mean, we're, 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 we are learning Torah. So like, how, like, where do we fit in the puzzle? I'm just, I'm just curious. They're, you know, they, they don't have to sit and learn all day. For us, it's, you know, we're doing it. Obviously, it's nice and everything. But you know, where do we fit into this puzzle? He says to them, he says, you know what? He says to them, you're right. Those people who are giving money for Torah, they're going to have a tremendous reward in Olam Haba. They're going to have a tremendous reward in the next world. But you know something? You peoples, you Bachrim who are sitting and learning Torah, of course you're going to have a tremendous reward in Olam Haba. Of course you're going to have a tremendous reward in the next world. But you know what? You get to enjoy it in this world too. You see, they're enjoying it in the next world, but you're getting to enjoy this world too. Because you know something? At the end of the day, we're really not in charge. But the one thing you can choose and the one thing you connect, and I'm especially talking to the men over here, talking to myself too, the one thing that you can connect to is Torah. That's the one thing. And if 
you learning Torah so you get to enjoy it in this world also. Because, you know, I always speak about men being achievement-based people. And for us, learning and delving in and, and, and the kasha and the stira and this and that gives us a lot. It's hard to get into. Oh, boy, sometimes it's hard to get to learn. It's hard unless you make a kavrusa, whatever it is. It's hard. But that's how we enjoy. But you know what? Let me tell you something. This is all very nice and dandy. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the system is that it's not just like, oh, okay, fine, no problem, let's go learn Torah. And for all the men who are listening to me now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, sure, let's just sit and learn all day. I'd love to do that, but I don't know if I could. I don't have the time. And even if I have the time, you might think to yourself, I don't know if I really could. I don't have the zitzflech. I don't know how much I could sit and learn Torah. It's hard. It's very, very hard, right? Why is it hard? The reason it's hard because HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us something called Bechira. Free will. We ha- you know, animals don't have... I, you know, I heard a crazy story. I heard a really crazy story. I think it was last year or two years ago. I don't remember when. This woman was... was uh, she had a pet monkey in her house. A monkey, yeah, a monkey. And she, you know, took care of this monkey and got very close to this monkey. And the monkey loved her and she loved the monkey. It's a, you know... And they, they, they developed a relationship where, you know, she would come home, the monkey, whatever, and that, the other thing. What happens, what happens is some, for some reason or other, the monkey got upset at her. I, I don't, why he got upset at her, I don't know. But he got so upset at her, and she had no idea, that he literally clawed this woman. Like, she had to go to the hospital for surgery because he clawed See, How could an animal do that? I mean... You develop a relationship with an animal. And we hear such stories with, you know, with lion tamers. There's a famous story with somebody who was raising bears, and he got very close to the bears, and, and the animal just sort of like clawed him. Now, why? Because you know, at the end of the day, an animal is an animal. An animal. I'm, I'm not saying not. Hashem wants us. Of course, Hashem wants us to treat our animals sometimes even better than us. You know, we gotta take care of people who have animals. Take care of your animals. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's an animal. At the end of the day, it doesn't have Bechira Chavshis. It doesn't have free will. It doesn't have that test. We have that. The reason that it's so hard, especially your marriages, especially, right? You listen to the show, and we, we you try to integrate the skills and tools. By the way, thank you all for your feedback. As far as the fact that you integrate the skills and tools and the fact that it's helping your marriages and you see your marriages are becoming better, Baruch Hashem, don't stop integrating those skills and tools. But it's hard. Of course it's hard. It's not like, okay, Rabbi Greenfield, I heard your class. Now, okay, now I'll have a perfect marriage. No, I want to, you know, let's talk about it again. Let's hear it again. Let's do Chazara. Why? Because it's Bechira. It's hard. There's a Yetzahara that doesn't want us to connect to our spouses. Your Yetzahara doesn't want you to connect to your husband. Doesn't want you to connect to your wife. Because if you do, what you're ultimately doing is you're really connecting to Hashem. Because in order to connect to your spouse, you have to work in your Midos. You have to be Mavater. You have to have a lot of self-discipline. You have to make time. And ultimately, you're connecting. You're connecting with your spouse. You're connecting to Hashem. This is what Hashem wants. It's a beautiful thing. And you get to enjoy Olam Hazeh, like the learning, right? You get to enjoy Olam Hazeh and Olam Haba. But it's very hard on a daily basis. So you saw the Hasidus V'shor Avoda is lispanen, to think that what? What's the goal? The goal is all to connect to Hashem. What does Hashem want us to do? Hashem wants us to our wives, and Hashem wants us to connect to our husbands. That's what Hashem wants, for us to connect to each other. Animals don't have that Bechira. Animals work on autopilot. Now, there are animals that connect to each other, doves and other animals, birds, whatever, they connect, but that's all instinctive. They didn't decide in the morning, okay, should I spend time with my fellow dove, or should I spend time with my, you know, with, with my mate? Some, right? Some yes and some not. But there's no Bechira. Now, Here's, here's another very important point. And it's like this. I'm so happy you're listening today because this particular class, this particular class, I, I wanted to discuss it previously, but I never really, I, I, can't say develop, I never sort of developed it to a point where I could present it, where you can integrate it into your marriage. And, and that's like this. I want to talk about Bechira, but in order for there to be proper Bechira, there has to be balance. It has to be balanced, like a seesaw, right? So, so if you have too much weight on one side, it does, it's, it's going to go on one side. In order to have Bechira, you have to have balance on both ends. And you're going to see, if your marriages are getting better, 
and you're integrating skills and tools and you're seeing things are getting easier, you're going to see out of nowhere, challenges are going to pop up. They're just going to pop up. I don't mean chas v'shalom bad things, but just like challenges are going to pop up. Why? Because there has to be that balance. You take a look in the world, everything that's powerful and can have a very positive effect can also have a very negative effect. I'll give you an example for history. Do you know that in the olden days, we used to have something called Nevi'im. Yeah, Nevi'im are prophets. Now, you know, I, I don't know, when you hear Navi, the word Navi, I don't know what you're thinking. Uh, you, know, okay, you're thinking you, know, you, you, you might think Shayahu, um, you might be thinking uh, Shmuel, oh, Nevi'im, right? We had a lot of female Nevi'im also, Saram, and, and the Imois, um, uh, Esther Amalka. So, so we had a lot of Nevi'im, right? We had a lot of Nevi'im. Nevios, Nevi'im. Now, what do you think about, when I say Navi, what, what, do you, what comes to your mind? Just like great people? Well, you know what? A Navi wasn't just like a great person. A Navi was like, he and she were, were people you can approach, and they can give you direction. They can give you guidance. How many times in your life you just don't know what to do? You just don't know what to do. From the early years of your life. Right? You just don't know. Should I marry this? Should I marry that one? Should I that? Again, I don't know what level the Nevi'im would tell you or would not tell you, but you could go to them for guidance. They will give you clear guidance because they, they had that kayak. They used to give people guidance. They would tell people that you're, you're sinning, you're, you're going to be punished. A, a, a Navi was something like, you know, some of you have, some of you have, some of you have, uh, Rebbeim. Some of you have Rosh Yeshivas who are listening to this. Some of you have Rebbes. You go to your Rebbe. You ask your Rebbe. So he might have some, some sort of, you know, what you might consider some sort of Ruach HaKadosh. A Navi was someone you could go, like, I mean, this person was completely connected to Kadosh Baruch Hu. You just go to them. It was like you had complete guidance. It was amazing. It was amazing. Even the Torah, we see that a Kadosh Baruch Hu, right, a Kadosh Baruch Hu gave, gave Bilam that koach in order to balance the world. So in order for there to be a balance, right, if you have Navi Emes, Navi Shekhar, but here you have, you have Bilam also, he had tremendous powers. Hashem gave him powers in order to make that balance. But guess what? When we had Navim around, we know what we also had? We had a force that opposed that Kedusha. We had a force to take us down, and that was the force of Avodah Zorah. That was the force of idolatry. Guess what? We pretty much don't have that anymore. We pretty much don't have it. Maybe in certain countries in India, what is that? But overall, if you take a look at the world, I mean, uh, um, the major religions are all you know monotheistic. They all believe, in, they ultimately believe that there is a, there's an Akash Baruch Hu. So we don't have that force. And by the way, it's not just a matter of belief. I, I can't even start telling you what the Kayach of the Gemara speaks about Avodah Zarah. I think some of the Tanaim say that they they would have ran for the Avodah Zarah. The, the Koach, the force to worship an a, a, a idolatry was tremendous. We cannot even understand today because there had to be that balance. We had an Avim, we had Avodah Zarah. Avodah Zarah went away, we, had, we didn't have an Avim anymore. Now we don't have an Avim. This constant balance. Constant balance. By the way, I, I want to tell you, interesting, I don't know if you realize this. Do you know that that Besides all the famous Nevi'im that we know, right, all the Nevi'im that we have, that, 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 that we read, you know, and, 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 and we know, Yoha Navi, Yeshayahu, Yemiyahu, do you know that anyone really had access to sort of go to Navi school? I know it sounds sort of funny, but if you take a look in Shmuel, and if you take a look also in Malachim Beis, we see there were people who actually went to an institution, to a school, to learn how to be a Navi. Now, obviously, I, I can imagine not on the level of the big Nevi'im that we know, but anybody could go. Anybody can access this. Can you imagine? Anyone had a, well, I'm going to Navi school, right? As a matter of fact, when you, when you, when you take a look at Malachim Bays, when you see, first of all, you can see this in Shmuel, when, when Shaul actually went to, to a certain place and, 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 and there was like this, you know, institution of Nevi'im over there. But Malachim Bays, it speaks about when Eliyoh Navi was actually bidding farewell to Elisha. He's telling him goodbye. You know, by the way, we know Eliyoh Navi right, pretty much went straight into this guy, with the horses and chariots, right? So he was bidding farewell to Elisha, and Elisha at that time was sort of going to take over. He was going to be like the next big Navi. It's interesting because if you take a look, you'll see that, that it speaks about Elisha sort of, there was, he, he sort of like, he, there was some sort of, of a festive meal of, of sorts because he was going from one level of Kedusha to another level of Kedusha, which is brought down. That's what we know. That's one of the sources we know to make a siyum. You know, when you make a siyum on a Gemara or whatever you have, so you're going from one level of Kedusha to another level of Kedusha. So here you have Elisha. 
He was going to bid farewell to Yoah Navi, and then he passes a group of Nevi'im. So you think, what do you mean a group of Nevi'im? What do you mean? There's only certain Nevi'im that we know of. There were other Nevi'im? Yeah, there were other Nevi'im. Whatever levels there was, everybody had access to it. But when Avodah Zarah went away, we had to get rid of Avodah Zarah, right? Avodah Zarah went away, because they Avodah Zarah should go away, so did the Nevi'is. The Nevi'is also went, went away. You see how you have a balance? Take a look at Eretz Yisrael. Take a look at Eretz Even today, take a look. Those of you who've gone to Israel today, okay? How many of you who are listening to this have, have Bachrim who are learning in Eretz Yisrael? Right? Or how many of you who are listening to this actually went to Eretz Yisrael to learn? And you know how powerful it is. Because when you go to Eretz Yisrael, it's so powerful. Like you could learn so well there because you just have a certain, a certain Ruach Chachma that, that, that sort of like envelops you in Eretz Yisrael. You, you know, you go, there's a certain Kedusha in Eretz Yisrael. You can't compare it. You can't compare the Kedusha that you have in Eretz Yisrael, right? You learn better. Everything's better in Eretz Yisrael. Go to the Kotel in Eretz Yisrael, right? I once took, um, I don't know if I mentioned this on the air, actually. Interesting story. I actually once took a bunch of students. I used to be heavily involved in Kirv Rechaikim. <laughs> Unfortunately, not involved so much today. I'm so busy with everything else, Baruch Hashem. But I took a bunch of, bunch of, I took a bunch of students from, from, from a bunch of guys from college. We took them to Ar Sameach. I took them to uh, Eretz Yisrael. I took them to the Kaisel. Okay, the first time they ever saw the Kotel. The first time they ever, ever saw the Kotel in their lives. You know, they never, they, they maybe saw it in pictures, but they actually they were there. It was, it was Friday night, and uh, they were all dressed Shabbos stick, whatever, in the Kaisel. And these are, I'm talking about big, big brawny guys, like football player types of guys, college guys, okay? Took them to Eretz Yisrael, we took them to Arsameach, whatnot. And here they are, the first time in the Kaisel. And the biggest guy there, this is a big guy, you know, Husky football player. He's got earrings and he's, he's a tough, tough, tough guy. He comes over to me and he says to me, Rabbi, Rabbi, what are you doing to us? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, this place is sick. This place is crazy. I, I can't stop crying. I, I'll never, I can't stop crying. And then he calls over his friend and he says to him, oh, c- come over here. Tell the rabbi what's going on. And he's like, Rabbi, we can't stop crying. This place is not normal. It, it's just the Kedusha there. It's to be the Kaisal. They were never there and they, the first exposure, it was like, they were just dark. They could have, these are tough guys. They just couldn't stop crying. They could not stop crying. Why? Because they're at the Kaisel, the Kedusha in Eretz Yisrael, right? And here you have Eretz Yisrael, which is so, so powerful, such amazing potential. But if you want Chas V'Shalom, we see in Yerushalayim, in Yerushalayim, not too far away from the Kaisel, horrible, horrible things going on. Horrible things. There are places, people doing Yisurim and, and, and terrible things. Forget about Kashris, acting immorally. In Eretz Yisrael, how is that possible? Because that potential, because you have to have that balance, all the balance. You know, I always give the, the, the example of, of uh, nuclear power. You know, nuclear power. It could light up a city, and it could destroy a city. Ladies and gentlemen, that's your marriage. Your marriage is like nuclear power. It could light up, and it could destroy. That's your marriage. And those of you who have good marriages, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's hard to achieve. It's not like you achieve it ever. You never achieve it. It's every day, that struggle. Every day, again and again, the struggle to have a good marriage. Or chash v'shalom, it's not a good marriage, and it gets toxic. What is it about marriage that could be so, so loaded, so vulnerable? You know what it is? It's the communication. It's the communication. That's the end of the day. Because if you have bad communication... If you're attacking, criticizing, and fighting, it, it, it's the most horrible, horrible feeling. Here you have an attachment with your spouse. You've grown to have an attachment, and then they criticize you. They attack you, and, and you just feel so belittled. It's like you just want to bury yourself. That's how toxic it could get. But on the other hand, you can take that same marriage and infuse it with positive communication. You can have the most amazing, amazing feeling. And the reason you're having this amazing feeling, because this is a spiritual feeling. This is a feeling of Kedusha. Kedushin. That's why it's called Kedushin. You are bringing the Kedusha into your house. You have, you, you know, you, you are having the Kedusha in your house. You're making your house into a base hamikdash. Of course you're going to feel good. Of course you're going to feel good. How do you do that? So yeah, we talk about a lot of things, but one of the most important things is what? Quality time. Quality time with your spouse. You know, I had a show last week. I think it was last week or the week before. I remember we spoke about being mavat. I said, you know what? If you're not spending quality time, ladies, with your husband, it's going to get to a point where you just cannot be mavater. I'm telling you, you cannot be mavater. You have to figure out 
how to spend the quality time with your husband. Obviously, you have to know how to ask him to follow you know, the steps of asking. But you know what? You have to have the quality time with your spouse. And gentlemen, are you listening to me? Because this is important. Of course, I'm talking to both of you. And sometimes men need quality time as well. But your wives in general, your wives need much more than you. In general, there are exceptions. But in general, your wives need the quality time much more than you do. And if you don't give them that quality time and they don't feel energized, and they don't feel like their emotional tank is being filled, it's going to turn the other way. It's going to become toxic. That nuclear power that could light up a city is going to become toxic and it's going to start it's going to start poisoning the city. It's going to start invading your household, your relationships. The toxicity is not just going to be between you and your spouse. Chas v'shalom, it can go to your kids. So today, I want to discuss, I want to first discuss, I want to discuss this quality time that we speak about so much. And I wanted to give you some, some real skills and tools as far as how to really make it happen. Now, Rabbi Greenfield, come on. I, I know how to spell quality time with my, my husband. I know, no, no, no. You know, but you know what? Is it happening very often? If it is, great. But you know what? We'll help it improve it even more because we're going to give you some skills and tools on how to spend the quality time. But the first thing, the truth is, we have to speak about, are you spending quality time with your husband? Are you spending quality time with your wife? Is that happening? Oh, sometimes it's happening. I try for it to happen. Um, two nights ago, we spent... You know what's a big problem? In our, I mean, a problem. It's a problem... Everywhere, but it's especially a problem in our community. We're so busy. We're so busy. We don't have, I don't even know how you're listening to the show. <laughs> you're listening to the show, it's amazing because you're not, I'm sure you're busy, you're doing something else, right? But we're so busy. Where do I find time to spend quality time? If I don't find time, I'm not going to be able to have quality. You know what? Don't wait till you find time, schedule it in. You hear me? This is very important. <clears throat> it sounds simple, but it's, it's, it's complicated. Don't wait to find time. Schedule in the time. If you don't schedule it into your day, it's not going to happen. You have to schedule a routine. Routines have to be scheduled. Routines and rituals have to be scheduled into your day. Remember, you only have 24 hours of a day, and out of that day, seven or eight hours you're sleeping, then you're eating, then you're davening, then you have all these obligations, where do I find time? You know what? you got to schedule in the quality time with your spouse. That's number one. Number two, you know, quality time is not the same for everyone. And I want to tell you, over the years that I've been working with couples, I sort of knew it, but I sort of learned it a lot also. You know, for some couples, okay, okay let, let, first of all, let's understand something. Quality time means that you're directing your attention to your spouse, not to your computer, not to your phone, not to <clears throat> magazine, what you're directing, your attention to your spouse. That's what quality time is. Now, we're going to discuss in a second how to do that, but that's important to know. So those phones have to be turned off. And gentlemen, I know your wife tells it to you all the time, but I'm telling you seriously, you have to turn the phone off. You cannot say, oh, I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm just looking at a text. I, I'm listening to you. I mean, you're listening to her. You're just looking at a text. What's going to happen if you're going to turn off the phone? What's going to happen? You're going to lose money in the business. You have the type of thing that you're busy with, this, that, the other thing. Listen, I can tell you, I'm Isaac, you know, Baruch Hashem, Kishmoch, who gave me the schus of, of working with Tzibur. And believe you me, not as much as other people. Not as much as other people. And I can tell you, I speak to other people who are involved with Tzibur. You have to shut off the phone when you spend time with your wife. And I'm going to say this again. It, 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 it can't be clear this. You must shut the phone when you spend time with your wife. Do not, do not, do not tell her, oh, I'm listening to you, but it might be some texts are coming in, so I have to look at the text. No, sorry. Put it away. I'm serious. Put it away. Ladies, I'm talking to you also. Sometimes it's a, it's a female problem. Put away those phones when you are spending time with your spouse. Spending time means your full attention is to your spouse. Gentlemen, don't worry. You're not going to miss that deal. You're not going to miss that phone call. And if you do miss that phone call, believe you me, it would have been toxic. It would not have worked out. And you know good and well, because the Kaddish Baruch is in charge of our parnasa, of our health, of everything. The only exception I would say maybe is if you're in Atzala. Maybe, maybe then, and then you should ask your rub. You know, maybe, maybe. Shut off your phone. Spend time with your wife right now. Time must 
be spent alone with no one else. There is quality time you spend with your kids. We're going to talk that. We're going to talk about soon about spending quality time with your children. This is a very, very important topic. Very, very important topic. But right now we're talking about spending time with your spouse. Spending time with your spouse means that it's you and your spouse. Not that you're at a Shabbos table and there are other people there, so you're spending quality time with your spouse. Not that there are other people. You're going to a restaurant with your friends. Couple, couples are going together. That's not quality time. That's other people. That's other people. Quality time is you're alone. You're alone. You take a walk. You do something else. We'll talk about soon how you do it. But you know what? You're alone. That's what quality time is. You know, let me ask you, when you daven Tashem, when you're davening, do, do you like schmooze with other people? Do we like talk with other people and then we daven Tashem? Oh yeah, hold on a second. Kosh hold on. I'm like, what? What? No. It's the same exact thing. That's what Kosh Baruch wants from us. Same way you daven to Hashem. It's you and Kosh Baruch Hu. right? It's you and Hashem. Nobody else. Nobody else. Same thing. Spend quality time with your spouse. It's just you and your spouse. That's what it is. It must happen. It must happen. Now, for some people, for some people, good quality time is not just communicating. Now, you definitely have to communicate. You definitely have to spend time communicating. And gentlemen, I know for some of you, you want to do other things. You want to play a game. You want to, I know, you want to, you want to go around. You, you know, if you're on vacation, you want to go on a boat or something, whatever it is. But for your wives, generally, generally, I haven't seen much of exception. Generally, what it is is spending time means talking to your spouse. Now, it, this might be done for you through a game. You know, I know for some of you who are listening, this sounds strange, but there are a lot of couples who connect through playing a game. Not video games, because <laughs> your eyes are on the screen. I'm talking about games, like a Scrabble game, uh, a game of set. I know one particular couple, they used to love playing set, and that's how they used to communicate. They used to play set, and as they're playing set, they used to talk to each other. Okay, whatever works for you, whatever floats your boat. We're not all the same, because Shemokha doesn't create us all the same. But you have to communicate. It's not just playing the game. Ultimately, you want to communicate with your, with your spouse. So besides playing the game, I would say also take a walk and talk to your spouse. Speak to him. Speak to her. What should I speak about, Robert Greenfield? I, I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> Sounds funny, huh? Well, I do have couples who tell me this. What do I speak? Let me tell you what you speak. What you speak is you speak about your day. You know, there's another thing that's also very powerful in this world. It's called stress. Stress. We have a lot of it. A lot. I, I don't know anybody here who's listening to me right now who hasn't had stress, possibly today, okay? Or who's going to have today. We shouldn't have stress today. But we all know very well what stress is. Who doesn't know what stress is? We experience it on a daily basis. All right, but Greenfield, don't talk to me about stress. I'm, I'm getting stressed just thinking about the stress. Okay, first of all, remember what I always say. Take deep breaths. You know, I, I want to tell you, I've actually been integrating this into my own life. Deep breaths, so important. You're stressed out. Five cycles of deep breaths. Four inhale, eight, uh, I think four, right, four second inhale, eight second exhale, I think it was. And you're going to see it calms you down. It really calms you down. You feel stressed, just go to the side. Take deep breaths. You don't know. I, I see study after study. And I mentioned to you from APA, Mayo Clinic, other reputable sources, so important. Take those deep breaths. Okay, but in any case, this thing called stress is very toxic. It's very dangerous. It causes a lot of, causes a lot, a lot of agmas nefesh, both emotionally and physically. But you know something? You can use this stress to get closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. How? Number one, when your husband stresses you out, you're mavater. So you're getting close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When your wife stresses you out, you're so you're getting close to Hashem. So you see here you have stress. And you, can, and you can take deep breaths, feel good. You know what? I, I survived this. Wow, my husband attacked me. I didn't say anything. That was good. And I, I'm, I'm able to let it go. My wife attacked me. And I, you know what? I know she's wearing her hat, so I didn't take it seriously. I was able, wow, I, I feel so good about myself. I'm able to let it go. Hashem, wow, Hashem, I feel closer to you now. Hashem, just like you're Rachel V'chanan, I'm trying to be Rachel V'chanan too. That's number one. The other thing is, if you release your stress, if you schedule in quality time with your spouse and you talk to your spouse about your stresses, about your issues, about your concerns that you had during the day and your spouse listens to you and emphasizes with you, you know what's going to happen? It's like all uncontrollable. You're going to feel connected to your spouse. You're going to feel connected because you're going to feel like he cares, like she cares. And it's going to mean so much. So you know what you talk about when you're with each other? Talk to each other about your day. Let me tell you what happened today. 
here's what happened. This one, that one, the other thing, obviously be careful of Lush and Hara, but, but the stresses, and if you vent out those stresses to your spouse and your spouse listens to you and empathizes, you can take this, this ra'al, this poison called stress, and you could turn it into what? Into the vacus with your spouse. And you feel like, well, thank you for listening. But here's the key. The spouse who's listening, do not, do not, and do not give unsolicited advice to your spouse because your spouse just wants to talk and be listened to. They do not want to hear your advice. They do not want to hear what to do and what not to do unless they ask you. This is, by the way, true for men and for me. You know, I used to always say this thing to the men. Be careful. Don't put your Bob the Builder fix hat and try to fix problems. But I want to tell you, I see this a lot with, with ladies as well. They're what? Trying to fix their husband's problems. Don't fix the problem. Don't fix the problem. Don't fix it. Just listen. Just listen and empathize, and you're going to see you are going to end up connecting with your spouse. It's a, it's a beautiful tool that Kodesh Baruch Hu gave us. That what? That sometimes we have stress, and we can take that stress and use it to connect to our spouse. This all must be scheduled in. It must be scheduled in. Now, in addition, don't sabotage the conversation. If you're talking to your spouse, if your spouse is talking to you, I don't like it. I have to say this. Many spouses you know, they tell me, oh, we're spending time with each other. And I tell them, okay, tell me, what, like, what do you guys talk about? So I don't need the details, but just pretty much, oh, yeah, I tell them about all my stresses. Or I tell her about what goes on in my work or about Greenfield. She listens to me. And then I'll ask later, I'm like, and how about you? Do you get a chance to talk? Oh, not really. I listen. Oh, no, no, no. There's got to be a point in the middle of the conversation where like, and how was your day? Remember this piece, by the way. Ladies, this is very important for you also. How was your day? How was your day? I had a crazy day. How was your day? Okay, let's turn it around. Or men, you're talking about your work and you're letting it go. You know, you're venting and venting and venting. Stop and say, how was your day? Ladies, if your husband is not doing this, give him instructions. Say to him, I was so happy I was able to listen to you. Could you listen to me a little bit? Or, I'm sorry, actually, I'm, I'm saying this. That, that was, by the way, what I just did was autopilot. That doesn't work in a marriage. Could you listen to me a little bit? That's autopilot. Autopilot does not work in a marriage. You know what works in a marriage? Self-discipline. Self-discipline, when it comes to requests, actually is like this. I was so happy to listen to you. It would make me so happy if you could listen to me. It would make me so happy to listen to me. And whenever we request anything from our husband or anything from our wife, we always give them the opportunity to make us happy, to please us. And then they choose. Oh, boy. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know how sensitive men can be with control. You do not know. There are some men who I can get so sent. Don't control me. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to do it. There, there are women also, but mostly I'm seeing it with men. Oh, boy. And, and, and I want to tell you, first of all, it's, it's an inborn thing in every man to feel sensitive with control. He wants his wife to be a wife, not to be his mother. Okay, fine. But the other thing also that I want to say to you, some men have had trauma when they were children, and they've, you know, they've went through a lot as kids. And or they were controlled as kids by their father, by their mother, by their rabbeim, by their bosses, and they become very sensitive to control. That's why I always say be very careful how you speak to your spouse. Uh, now I want you to listen to me. No, no. It would make me so happy if you could listen to me. If you could listen to me, that would be making me happy. Okay, no problem. Tell me, how was your day? And then we listen, and we empathize, and we listen, and we empathize. And we do not offer unsolicited advice because unsolicited advice does not work. Now, the way you're doing this might be through taking a walk. The way you're doing this might be spending some other time with each other. Maybe one of you needs to play a game to unwind. That's fine. Maybe one of you needs to do something else. You know, I don't like taking walks. What I like doing is I like sitting on the couch with my husband. Okay, no problem. And talking like that. No problem. Whatever it is. Whatever floats your boat. But it has to be scheduled. It has to be a routine. Okay, and this has to be set in your home. If it's not set in your home, please do it. Please do it immediately. Obviously, you have to know how to ask your husband, how to ask your wife. You do not just say, oh, by the way, I listen to Rabbi Greenfield. We have to make a class. We have to make time. No, no. You know, I know how busy you are. Life is so stressful for us. But I was thinking if we could set time to spend quality time with each other, that would make me so happy. Oh, I don't know if I could do it. You know what? How about this week? Can we just do one week at a time? See if it works. If not, it'll make, if not, 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 yes, yes. I don't have to think about it. No problem. Remember I always say, ask three times. Didn't work this time? Try another time and another time. But the way I'm saying it, not asking, giving your husband the opportunity 
to make you happy and connecting with him and understanding how difficult it is for him. Oh, Rabbi Greenfield, I have to really speak like that to my husband? Like, I should really empathize with him? He should know. He should know. Was that, is that the route you want to take, ladies? If that's the route that you want to take, guess what? You're going to be regrinding this thing over and over and over, and you're not going to get anywhere. I'm just telling you. <laughs> this is what works. This is what works. You know, you talk about the psych psychodynamics of it. You want to talk about the empirical evidence. You want to talk about... Who cares? This is what works. So what, what I'm saying to you, ladies and men, is set and schedule the quality time. When the quality time happens, it has to be alone. The phones must be shut off. Good conversations include a chance for both spouses to express their thoughts, their stresses, their anxieties. The other spouse should listen, empathize, and under no circumstances ever give unsolicited advice while you're speaking to your husband or to your wife in quality time time. I'm not talking about other times, okay? During quality quality times. Okay? It's very, very important, and you're going to see when you do integrate this into your life, meaning schedule-wise, it's going to make a tremendous difference. Those of you who are doing it, hopefully you can start doing You are doing it the right way, and hopefully it'll enhance it. I want to tell you something interesting. I was... I was... <laughs> There's no mistakes in this world. There's no mistake. Hashem like sets everything up for you. I was I was in shul the other day, and it was like in between whatever. It was in between two myers. Like they have this like you know call it a minya factory, whatever you want to call. It. I don't like that term, but whatever. Okay. So, in between two myers, and I'm like, okay, you know, I have an opportunity. I'm not gonna waste my time and go. I pulled the gemara off the shelf and I started learning a little bit. Whatever. There are two people. They're like these people are sitting next to me, and yeah, I'm trying to learn. And, no tainas on them. They were talking about, what were they talking about? They're talking about who's at fault. Who's at fault? Meaning, there are so many kids today, Nebuch, who are, who are dwindling, literally some, some less, some more, some off the cliff. I mean, we're talking about like terrible, terrible situations. And the numbers of children today especially teenagers who are dwindling, it, it, it's crazy. It, it, it's out of control what's going on today. And it's like, so who's at fault for this? Is it the parents? Is it the parents' fault that the parents would raise them better? Could, 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 would they have made a difference or it's not? So one person was saying that he heard in today's day and age, and they were all, you know, they were all saying beautiful things. He heard in today's day and age, he heard that there really, there's, there's nothing you could do. Nothing you could do. It's just a daven. Nothing you could do. You heard this, that you can't do anything because society today is so off and technology and children have such crazy opportunities. So what happens is a lot of children never go off. So you just have daven for your children. <clears throat> Another person was saying, it's not true. It's not true. Parents have complete control on their kids. They have complete control. Okay. <clears throat> so I was going to Myra and they asked me, oh, what do you think? Whatever's that. The other thing. So I said to them like this, you're asking me, okay, the truth of the matter is, and now I'm thinking about it also. I don't know if I said this to them last night. Actually, it happened last night. But I'm thinking about it now. Number one, the most important thing here is don't blame anyone. Let's not blame the parents, the rabbeim, the this. It's no one's fault. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge of the world. Hashem, Hashem decides what's going to happen. That's Hashem. Okay, of course we have Bechira, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu could set it up. You have a, you have a let's say there's a health problem in the family. Let's say this, there's a child in the family who's a special needs child, right? Two health special needs child children. And the parents are giving all their attention to this child. It's very hard for them. Go blame the parents. To blame the parents. This child needs a lot of attention. So you're right. We have eight kids. We have two children on special needs. They'll feel that we have to give them attention. It's very, very hard. Who are you going to blame? Blame the parents? Blame their abeyim? Blame? Well, let's not blame. Let's not blame. Let's think of what we can do. And then we have to dive to Hashem or say the other way around. First, let's dive into Hashem and then let's think of what we can do. So as parents... I will tell you, unquestionably, unquestionably, there's definitely things that we can do to try to help prevent our children from chas v'shalom dwindling. However, there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. We could try to do our best, but there's no guarantee. Because at the end of the day, it's Hashem's in charge. And we can't blame ourselves. We can't blame anyone. But here's what we could try to do. And that is the same thing I say as far as relationships between you and your spouse, the same thing is true for your children. They need quality time. Every single one of your children needs quality time. 
Now, ladies who are listening to this, you sort of know this instinctively when the children are young. Because when the newborns, right, there's a newborn, that newborn's with you 24-7 in the beginning, right? Holding the newborn, feeding the newborn, caressing the newborn, because that child needs the trust, the security, the feeling of love. You know that instinctively, but something happens when the kids get older. And I'm saying, obviously, again, you know, when the kids are younger, many women understand. Gotta spend time with my little child before I put him to sleep. I read them a story. We talk. We connect. But as the child gets older and older, many of us, and again, no one's to blame because we have other children, because we're busy, we don't have time, or we think that we don't have time, we don't spend that quality time with the children anymore. You know when the children need quality, quality time? Let me tell you something. They're always going to need quality time. Not necessarily every day. You can't spend every day with your young adult. You have a 20-year-old. You can't spend that quality time every day. But you know what? You should be spending quality time with him or her. You should be calling him or her, staying in touch with him or her. What's going on? How's your day? Some Something, not like major quality time. It never ends. We always have that need for security for attachment from our parents until we get married, right? And then it sort of transitions over to our spouse, right? But it's important on a daily basis to spend time with our children. And sometimes we can't do it every day. Men, I, I know some of you are listening to this are like, oh God, I'm going to turn off the radio. I'm going to turn this off right now. Right? Maybe I, I can't deal with this. Calm down. Chill out. <laughs> Seriously. It doesn't mean that you have to every day, every day, every day. I understand you're very busy. But are you scheduling your children in? Okay, so your wife's spending the quality time on a daily basis with your children. Okay, she could do it. She's spending quality time. Ladies, I hope you're spending quality time with your, ch- with your teenage children as well. Your teenage children. Spending time. Scheduling time. If you're going to just wait to find time, you're not going to have the time. Scheduling time. You know, when I speak about this issue, every, all the ladies think about, oh, my younger kids. But when your kids get older, or if you have older kids, that's where the test really is. Because then it seems like the kids... They're not really interested in me. They're interested in their friends. They still are interested. And you have to spend the quality time. Especially true. Especially true mothers for their sons. Especially true fathers for their daughters. It works both, obviously, both, both ways. But especially, especially true fathers for their daughters. Fathers for their daughters. Very important. We don't chas v'shalom. We want our girls trying, you know, seeking other you know, male protégés types to, 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 to feel secure. It's the, father's, it's the father's responsibility until she gets married. To what? For her to just have that secure feeling. She needs him every day. But, you know, maybe I schedule with my teenage daughter, you know, I schedule twice a week where we sit and we talk. And my wife does it on a daily basis. Or maybe we, I do it three times a week. Whatever it is, goes on in your house. But you have to schedule it in. Now, men who are listening to this, you really have to schedule it in because you know you're going to have a million things in your mind. Your phone's going to be on. Turn that phone off. And you know what you want to do? Let me tell you what you want to do. There's two types of quality time with children. There's just talking to your children, letting them vent, letting them release their stresses. Or right, Greenfield, I talk to my daughter, and she's like, nothing, nothing's going on, nothing's going on. What should I say to my daughter when she says to me, nothing? What should I say to my son when I ask him, how's your day? He tells me, yeah, yeah, whatever, nothing. You know what you should do? Let me tell you what you should do. What you should do is talk to him about your day. <clears throat> you hear me? Talk to him about your day. Talk to her about your day. Connect in that fashion. Show them that you're trusting them with inform- personal information about you. And then they're going to start trusting you with personal information about them. You hear me? Talk to them about your day, and then you're going to see they're going to listen to you. And then they might start la'at, la'at opening up. Maybe take a walk with your child. And you know what? You should schedule in with your older children some good quality time. Besides the regular talking, also quality time. Talking about the good quality time. Or let's call it, let's call the pristine, the great A of quality time, which is maybe taking your son out to a, your daughter out to drink a coffee with her. Or maybe your son going and doing something with her. By the way, you know what's an amazing way of connecting to your sons, gentlemen? Learning Torah with them. It could be an amazing... Because... <sighs> learning Torah with them. Learning Torah with them. I, I, I can't tell you. I, I can't tell you how important it is. I want to tell you. 
thinking whether to say this on air, but you know what? I, I think I should because I think this is going to be a tremendous lesson for all of you. I think it's going to be a tremendous lesson for all of you. That what? That, you know, Baruch Hashem, my, my family, I, you know, I try to learn my children, v'chulu. So on Hanukkah, we had a dreidel game. We had a dreidel game. And we made up, okay, if you get a gimel and a hey, a da, a shin and a nun, who, who wins what? Who wins what? So I asked my boys, which I do learn with them. So I asked my boys, what would you like? What prize would you like if you win the dreidel game? What prize would you like? And one of my boys said to me, Ta, I'll tell you what I want. If I get a gimel, you know what I want from you, Ta? I want you to learn with me. You learn with me, Ta, but I want you to learn with me more. I want you to learn with me and to commit to learn with me X amount of time per week, and that'll make, that's what I want. And if I get a hey, it's half of that. I was so taken back by this. I was so taken back. And you know why I'm telling you this? I'm not telling you this down for myself. I'm telling you this because your children want to learn with you. Men, your children want to learn Torah with you. You don't know it. They sit with you. Not that you're learning with them and you're stucking them out. You're telling them, oh, you don't need to. But they, they're going to tell you the Taisvis, the, the Rashi, the Gemara, whatever it is. And you sit with them and you're like, wow, Maishi, that was great. How did you figure that out? You know what type of way of connecting that is to your children? You know how powerful that, of a method it is to connect to your children through that? I can't tell you. I can't tell you. And your daughters, spending time with your daughters. Yes, taking them out for a coffee once in a while. Taking a walk with them. Asking them about their day. How was your day? This is how you connect with them. This will give them their trust and security and will empower their self-esteem, which they need. There's a mode of therapy called systems therapy. It's, it's, it's a family dynamic, which has shown through much empirical evidence that what? It has showed that at the end of the day, what's most important, one of the most important things is that what? That there is, that there is, that there is time spent that there's a connection made through communication with your children. If children don't have it, it could destroy them later on in their own relationships, in their self-esteem. They need to feel validated. But here's what I want to end off with, and this is very, very important. We talk about spending time with your children. Because some of you listening to like, yeah, Rabbi I do spend time with my children. Okay. By the way, not enough. I- I'm, I'm telling everybody, including myself, not enough. We all have to spend more time with our children. Really. And, and schedule it in. Schedule it in. Besides dinner time, but dinner is also very important. A lot of us are not eating dinner with our children. We can't always, you know. Actually, those people are about Zarkatibra, Bechula, but you still make, make dinner time with your children when everybody gets a chance to talk. Everybody gets a chance to speak. But you know why your teenagers are not talking to you? You want to know? You want to know why your teenagers are not talking to you? They're not opening up with you? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because you're judging them. You hear me? Because you're judging them. Because when they speak about if they take a chance to speak to you about their day and how maybe they were making a little trouble in class, they sort of like tell you that, you know, to be funny or whatever it is, and you look at them and you're like, how can you make trouble in class? Or if they're telling you something that their friend did and it might be a little bit off, this and that, and you start giving them musr, once you're judgmental, they don't want to talk anymore. They don't want to talk. You know what, I can't speak to you anymore because I can't. You know, you're going to judge me. You know what, Ma, I can't speak to you. You're going to judge me. Let your children talk without interrupting and just accept what they are saying. You, you're worried about what's going on? You know what? Take care about it later. Don't worry about it right now. Take care of it later. But when you're listening to your son, when you're listening to your daughter speak, you better be non-judgmental. Be completely non-judgmental. If you're non-judgmental with your spouse, also to be non-judgmental. Because when your spouse is speaking, you can't judge them either. But more importantly, with your children. If you're non-judgmental with your children, and you listen to your children, and you empathize with your children, no matter what they say, they'll open up to you, they'll connect to you, they'll trust you, and then they might listen to you at the end. Not during that conversation, but if you guide them in the right way, then they might listen to you even, because they feel non-judged and they feel validated. Thank you for listening. It's Greenfield. Comments, feedback, anything, 917-397-2841, 917-397-2841. Thank you for listening. Have an amazing, amazing and connecting week. Cult of.